Blog Talk Radio. Taylor Terror Radio, TaylorTerrorRadio.com, where you can catch us live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. <clears throat> if you like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at JWadeTaylor. If you like to follow my friend and my partner on Twitter, co-host Tara Dublin, you can do so at Tara Dublin Rocks. And we encourage everyone to follow the show account at TaylorTerrorRadio on Twitter. The chat room here on the show is just about to be open, and you can join there um, by signing in as a guest or creating a free Blog Talk Radio account. And when you create a free Blog Talk Radio account, that gives you a free 30-minute podcast once a week to try out. No strings attached. You can just keep that free uh, Blog Talk Radio account forever, and you'll always have that 30-minute podcast per week to see if you enjoy podcasting. Um, let me see what else we have here. The phone number is 323-870-3499 is the number. Um, our guest today uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour is going to be joining us uh, from the Raw Story. Sarah Burris, a writer for the Raw Story, is going to be joining us. I'm excited to have her on. She'll be joining us again at uh, 1.30 Eastern Time. And it's the holidays. And uh, Tara, how are you today, my dear? Um, That's a loaded question in our current society and environment. But uh, uh, any day above ground, right? Any day above ground is a good day. So um, what are we waking up to this morning? Uh, in Trump world, what else is going to impact us? Well, let's take a quick look at the Twitters. And uh, he apparently went back in and he fixed his tweet where he spelled border security wrong. So that's a thing because um, he's a moron. We all know this. But also, uh, uh, I have a tweet kind of going. Roland Scale <laughs> tweeted this thing about him 
going bald. And I was like, well, you know, he doesn't really, he doesn't like being told that he's not a good looking person. And so we're trying to get bald Donald trending because we're dipshits and that's what we use social media for. Uh, unlike the Russians who have used social media to keep down the black community and make sure that nobody went out and voted in 2016. So they're revealing day to day. We find out more and more um, how much social media is a blight on our society and there's no going back from it. Um, and every single day, Jason, we seem to learn how the Russians used our social media channels to influence the 2016 election, not just Facebook, not just Twitter. Also Instagram, also Pinterest, obviously YouTube, every social media channel that is used, Snapchat, every single one. And they mostly yeah. were targeting yeah. the black community because they didn't want black people voting for Hillary Clinton. And so uh, something, you know, millions and millions of dollars, uh, millions and millions of advertising of ads going out, targeting the black community, telling them to stay home and don't vote for Hillary. Uh, I'm, I'm done. We know all of this. That's great. We learn more and more what they did. Great. When does somebody do something? I mean, there was just, just, uh, I just saw right before we went on the air, uh, the DOJ filing something, uh, in regards to the emoluments clause against Donald Trump, the Mueller investigation, Mike Flynn will be sentenced tomorrow. Um, and yet Donald Trump walks around free. And more and more, every single day we hear new things. I, you know what? I, I have reached, I think I have reached my limit. I think I have reached my own personal tipping point where I don't want to hear about what you discovered anymore. We, we know enough. Um, I'm so done with, oh, we found out that uh, Cambridge Analytica made a, a website for Ted Cruz that's exactly the same as Nigel Farage's. That's great. That's fucking great. Do something. I am really, really, and I don't know about anybody, maybe it's just my frustration, but I would assume that most people are frustrated if they're paying attention. If we know all of this, when does somebody do something? Who is that somebody? And what are the avenues we can take? Because we know these things, right? And I'm tired of hearing people just talk about it and reiterate it and rehash it. We know these things. So how do we move forward? And uh, if now, now the talk is how hard it would be to remove him from office, how difficult and how entrenched everybody is and how deep the GOP has dug in their heels and all, all of that stuff, which is not encouraging. But at the same time, you still have people like a Malcolm Nance on MSNBC, you know, really laying it out what needs to happen. And it's not just that he needs to be indicted. It's that the results of our 2016 election need to be nullified. And we essentially need a special election, which we've never had at the presidential level. But if they can do it in North Carolina, because they're going to have to, I don't see why we can't do it nationally. It just would take a lot of effort and time. And Americans are lazy and they don't want to work hard. So I would still posit, however, Jason, that if we have been able to survive this illegitimate presidency asterisk for the last two years, we can absolutely survive a completely, completely legitimate impeachment process. That's at the top of my adult Christmas list because uh, I'm done. I'm done with them telling us all of this stuff that's illegal that they've done, that his whole family is guilty. Great. They're all guilty. 
get rid of them already. Just in 2019, I don't want to hear info. I want to hear about action. I want to hear you're taking steps. I want to hear we're moving forward. I'm tired of being stagnant. I'm tired of sitting in one place. We need forward motion. And uh, once our Democratic House is sworn in in just a few weeks, hopefully, you know, this new energized Democratic House will actually put things into practice and get things moving forward because we have been stuck in this awful situation for far too long and we've gotten really used to it. That's the other problem is that we're just used to feeling like this and we're used to the terrible coming down on us every single day. And instead of, you know, fighting back, we're just, it's like we have an umbrella over us, letting, just letting it kind of fall over us onto the ground so that we're personally protected. But everybody is getting rained on with this shit. And so I'm done, Jason. I'm done. I'm frustrated. And it's, I, it doesn't feel like a very festive. This is supposed to be the most festive and happy and joyous and celebratory time of year. I really, everywhere I've gone, uh, if I go into a store that's decorated for Christmas, nobody's really smiling during their holiday shopping. Everybody yeah. seems yeah. to feel, you know, exhausted. The oppression of this administration really weighing down on all of us. I don't feel like celebrating anything. I really don't. I'm not in a good mood to celebrate anything. I'm grateful that uh, both tomorrow and Wednesday night here in Portland, the only thing that makes me happy, as you know, is going to my uh, the pop-up choir that I belong to, OK Corral. And tomorrow and Wednesday, we have two special shows uh, in a larger venue so that more people can join us. And it's called Sure the Fuck Up. And they've had to do this because of the current administration. They did it last Christmas, and I just I wasn't really involved with them last year, so I missed out on it. But I'm not gonna, I'm going to both shows uh, tomorrow night and Wednesday night. Sing my little heart out. I'm going to put on an ugly Christmas sweater and I'm going to fake it till I make it, because we all need to cheer the fuck up. We really do. And the fact that we have to actively seek an opportunity to cheer up, um, you know, there was a, a story going around. Uh, you know, just some. Uh, I shared it this morning video of a little boy opening his Christmas present and it was his dad coming back from his dad was serving our country overseas and came back to surprise him. Those videos always get me because, you know, that's a good thing. That's good and wonderful and loving and positive. And there's not enough of that anymore. You know, we used to feel good every single day. There used to be good news to share every day. And now it feels like it's an anomaly. You almost feel guilty about sharing good news because there's so much terrible in the world and I'm exhausted from it. I'm tired of, we all need true good news and we truly need something to celebrate. So it's only Monday. And of course, seven years from now, when we hit Friday, we can be having a completely different conversation than we're having right now because tomorrow Michael Flynn will be sentenced and it'll be very interesting to see what his sentence actually is because the Mueller investigation actually publicly, they made a public statement, which they normally don't do um, because people, because Donald Trump was putting out the narrative that um, they, he was saying, first they said General Flynn lied, then they said he didn't lie, then he did, then he didn't. And so, you know, Donald Trump putting out the narrative trying to confuse people. The bottom line is, yes, Michael Flynn lied to Congress and you're not supposed to do that. He also lied to the Mueller investigation. 
you're not supposed to do that either. So uh, the Mueller the Mueller team has said, uh, don't be saying Michael Flynn is walking scot free because he's not. Don't be suggesting that he shouldn't be punished because, of course, he should. They are recommending um, a lighter sentence. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to receive a light sentence. So we'll see tomorrow what happens to Michael Flynn, and then we'll see how Donald Trump spins it. Uh, and maybe he'll spell it wrong. Over the yesterday, he released two tweets in a row that had typos in them. Aside from the border security, he spelled separation and general wrong because he's. I didn't even know that till you till you had mentioned that <clears throat> early on, or when we were talking in the green room. Tara told me that. I have not looked at Twitter. Um, I've had it on autopilot, and um, uh, for those of you that uh, don't, uh, it doesn't matter. But anyway, (laughs) Tara knows what I mean. But um, I didn't even realize that. I mean, I guess, I mean, he missed, I mean, he does that so frequently. I mean, it's like, I don't really, I'm like with you, Tara, on this. I really don't, I I mean, probably long before you did, I completely lost any sort of, you know, I don't really don't. I don't care what he tweets. I mean, I don't care about any of that stuff and all this, you know, um, speculation and and you know, let's just get it out there and and let's you know see what happens and you know, let's go from there. I don't, you know, this whole holiday. Um, I mean, and speaking on the holidays, I really here my my plan for next year, and I swear to God, I mean this. I told them, I told all my friends this. I've been looking at, at buying a, a house on in in, in Mexico uh, on the on the west the west coast of Mexico the in in some in kind of in inside the city the housing prices there are just they're incredibly cheap and but I swear to God I don't know if it's going to be there but it'll be somewhere I'm not from 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 the day before Thanksgiving till. After New Year's Day, I'm going to be gone. I'm going to I'm going to be no electronics, no nothing. I'm going to be gone. I do not want any. I do not want to partake. I'm going to go somewhere. <clears throat> Maybe I'll go over to and spend a month over in Italy and celebrate Mass over there um, uh, in Rome because I don't want. I this whole holiday stress fest um, for me is I'm done with it. I'm 48 years old, and I swear to God, I know there's plenty of people out there that feel the same way I do. I've tried to do something about this, Tara. I've tried to do it with my family. I've tried to, and, and they've all accepted the secret Santa thing that I've come up with this year. Everybody, one gift, 25 bucks max. You don't even have to spend that. You can make something. You know, for God's sake, you know, it's just it this whole holiday just blitz has gotten completely out of. I just it's just I don't even it's just. uh. Well, I haven't even been able to buy my children anything for the holidays this year because I don't have I don't don't have have two nickels to rub together. I don't. I don't. Um, I'm you know, people think that you make a podcast and you're just making money hand over fist. Podcasts are expensive, y'all, and we've been at this for about six months, and we're working on creating revenue and getting advertisers and all of that good stuff, and my corporate freelance writing job barely covers my my bills and my expenses. This is a very expensive time of year for everybody, and so far, 
I'm ashamed to say this, that I've not been able to purchase any gifts for my children just because of situations and circumstances and the fact that at this time of year is so focused on the material things. What are you getting? What are you getting? What are you giving me? What do I get? And uh, everyone, you know, everyone says it's supposed to be in the spirit of giving. I, it got completely turned around. It's the spirit of getting, what am I getting? Um, I want to give, believe me, trust me y'all. When I tell you there makes me feel like shit that, uh, I have not yet been able to give my children a gift for the holidays. We do celebrate both Christmas and Hanukkah in my family because my ex-husband is not of the Jewish persuasion. Um, and they'll get, I mean, they get from their grandparents, they'll get from their father, my older son is about to be 20 in a couple of weeks. And he said, you know what? Don't even get me a Christmas or a Hanukkah present. Just get me a big birthday present. And I was like, great. How am I supposed to get that for you? So I would posit that, you know, uh, uh, we all need a break. Every single one of us, whatever that means for us individually. For me personally, I am ready for this to explode. I am ready to make money hand over fist, but when am I not? I need a book deal. I want to get more voiceover work. I have put my intentions out into the universe. So far, it has not really come back to visit, but I will put this out there again. If you have voiceover needs, this one right here on the other side of the microphone can do all of your recording for you from the privacy of my own home. Also a freelance writer, Jason is also a political consultant. We are here for you. And you can contact us on the Twitters, and we would be delighted to do some some freelance work for you for money. And in the spirit of the season, if you are really, truly about giving, put that into practice. Karma is real. Help somebody else. You don't even have to take your wallet out to help somebody. You can just say, oh, I know somebody who needs a this. And you can refer people and you can connect people and they can create their own opportunities from those connections. That's something I like to do for people is, oh, do you know somebody who does this? Well, yes, as a matter of fact, I do. Um, So that's a thing that you can do 365 days a year. But at this time of year, you know, if if you know somebody is financially strapped and you can help them out, help them out. You have some gift cards lying around that you were going to give maybe buy yourself something, but you know, you have heard someone else is in need, give it to those people. Um, do something that makes you feel good outside of yourself. And maybe that good karma will come back and visit you. That is what I try to do every chance that I get. So, you know, like Friday when, um, I sat here for a moment and gave props to my friend Doug Adams because he opened his new restaurant over the weekend here in Portland, there is still good stuff in the world to support you just kind of have to redirect your focus. So I would suggest, um, you know, in the middle of the garbage fire, try to find something that makes you happy or find a way to make another human being happy to make yourself feel better. That's, you know, I, I try to do that. I try to look outside myself and see how, how can I do that? Because when I feel shitty, because I feel shitty right now, I do. I, you know, and you can fake it till you make it. But I don't, I don't know how much longer I can fake it. When I feel shitty, I try to do something nice for another person. So um, rise above is always my motto. If you can rise above uh, the station that you're in and try to do something nice, you know, just the act of doing something for somebody else will help you feel a little bit better, psychically lighter. 
I don't really, I don't really uh, know what else to say about that, Jason. I, you know, it's, it's hard when you're in a shitty mood and you still have to interact with other people because you don't want your mood to be contagious, right? Yeah. You don't want to bring anybody oh, else oh. down. You don't. And especially, you know, for the people who are listening right now, everyone's dealing with their own whatever. And so whatever your whatever is today, think about your whatever, set aside your whatever, and think about another person's whatever. Because we're all going through it. And you have to reach out to another person sometimes and say, are you okay? You doing all right? Is there anything that I can do to help you? People don't ask that question of others, you know? You seem a little down. Is there anything that I can do to help you? It's a very simple thing to say to another human being, and nobody ever says it. No one ever says to anybody, you know, um, I haven't heard from you in a while. You ever, how, how, when was the last time you talked? Like, think about a person in your life that you care about um, that you haven't talked to in a while. And then talk to them. We have social media for a reason. I, I continue to say it's a blight on our society, and I'll believe that until I can't use it anymore. But if I deleted my Facebook today, there are a lot of people that would be lost from my life, and that would make my life less than. You know, it would just make my life poorer. And so um, I, I posted on Facebook this morning. I want to delete my Facebook every single day. I really do. You know that. Um, it's what we've, what we've learned, what the Russians did with our social media. And I, you know, you can say that it was always there in our society and they just shine a light on it and helped us come out of the dark and people borrowed out from the holes in the ground that they were living in and they're allowed to be out and about and whatever. There's still goodness within social media, right? There's still things that can make us laugh, things that make, make us go, oh, there's still good things in the world, like the video of the soldier coming home and surprising his child. Um, yeah, that was video, great. Oh, my God. I, oh, those always get me in the feels. Always, yep. always, always. So today, try. I know it's Monday, and it doesn't feel like – I mean, I, I don't know that it really feels like the holidays or it feels festive. It feels forced or whatever. We've got to pull ourselves out of it somehow. And I think that's, that's something that people just – they don't know how. You know, if you're in a bad spot, how to pull yourself out of it. So maybe suggestions from the chat room, maybe suggestions from people out in the Twitterverse. What do you do when you're in a bad mood or you're feeling blah and you know you got to pull yourself out of it? What do you do? Suggestions are welcome because we are all in this together. And as alone as you may feel, especially at this time of year. If you don't have family, all my family's on the East Coast, and I see pictures of my family at my brother's big, beautiful, fancy house in front of their big, beautiful, fancy Christmas tree, and I'm not there. I can't get there because I can't afford to fly there, and, you know, I just can't be with my family, and that's really upsetting for me. What can I do about it? I can FaceTime with my nieces, and that makes me happy because they're crazy. And they're hilarious. And today's my niece Bianca's 13th birthday, so we'll be FaceTiming later on. And like, Aunt Tara, Aunt Tara. And the twins will be running around, and that will bring me up. So it's, you know, it's, it's a rough one, kids. It's a rough week. It's a rough time. But we are here for you. And it's okay to lean on other people. It's okay to admit, 
that you're not having a good time. It's okay to admit that, you ha- that you're broke. It's okay to admit that you're scared. It's okay to admit that you're sad because there is someone else out there who will listen to you and will help you. Also, a reminder, uh, this past weekend, they, uh, a, a judge ruled that, the, that Obamacare is unconstitutional. It's unconstitutional, Jason. The Republicans talking out of both sides of their mouths as usual saying, oh, you know, we want to help people with pre-existing conditions. We want to make sure you get health care. Oh, but we're going to take your health care away. Merry Christmas. What is that? I'm glad I made the open enrollment deadline, by the way. Um, I spent money that I really didn't have to buy insurance that I totally need. So at least I have for the next year both medical and dental insurance. Can't buy my kids a Christmas present, but maybe I can take care of my teeth. So I don't really know where I'm going with this, Jason, but I do know that uh, something's got to give, right? Yeah, something's, something's got to give. give. I told, yeah, I said that to a, uh, I said that to a really close friend um, a couple days ago. Um, we were talking, and I, I said just that something's got to give. And, um, yeah, absolutely it does. Um, we're on the, uh, <clears throat> with all the other stuff going on, um, we're on the, uh, on, on the verge of a possible, um, a Christmas time, uh, government shutdown a la Trump shutdown. Um, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking when he was sitting there with, uh, Chuck and Nancy. Um, but, it wasn't. um, no, he wasn't. But he owns this. <laughs> he, he definitely owns it. Um, and uh, uh, if he shuts the government down at Christmas, wow, you know that's going to uh, wow, that's going to look great. Um, well, he's the ultimate Grinch, isn't he? He has no. Yeah, I mean, can, I mean, they're qu- yeah, I mean, they're questioning if they can even get the GOP, you know, uh, even get the GOP uh, um, uh, lawmakers up there. To even come up there and vote. <laughs> well, you my know? favorite, one of my favorite quotes that I saw over the weekend is that Miss Lindsey Graham doesn't care if Donald Trump lies about sex. He doesn't care. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, he sure cared. Great. He sure cared about Bill Clinton lying about sex, though, didn't he? Fucking yeah. hypocrite. So, uh, yeah, Lindsey, Miss Lindsey, I just want to know what is. <laughs> I would. Lo- I just want to know what Donald Trump has on him. I really, really do. Is it a pool boy? It's probably a pool boy, or you know something akin to a pool boy in Lindsey Graham's closet for sure. Something. He he's one of the more compromised people. But also, um, it was also announced this morning uh, that she's. Uh, I can't even remember. It was uh, the NRA. It was something about the NRA, and I tweeted about it. Because the NRA is going to be in trouble. Something. It was one of the first things I saw this morning when I woke up. So, um, yeah, I blah, blah. I read a couple stories on. Um, I tweeted one out um, on the uh, uh, on the gun oh, lobby. Um, uh, Mother Jones reporting documents point to illegal campaign coordination between Donald Trump and the NRA. Well, you don't say. And you can thank Maria Butina and her spying vagina for that. Because the Russians funneling money through the NRA down to the GOP. Boom, boom, boom. There it is. In, in a nutshell, there it is. So if we know that, okay, so we know this, 
that the Russians gave the NRA money and it funneled it, you know, funneling money through the NRA, owning the GOP via NRA funneled money from Russia. How many GOP members could go to prison? How many do you think are really hooked through the Russian? I mean, there are the obvious ones. Your Devin Nunes, your Dana Rohrabacher, your Rand Paul, uh, but also Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham. And I'm going to say Orrin Hatch, who just retired, but Orrin Hatch certainly uh, <laughs> talked out of both sides of his mouth because right before he retired, he was all Trumpy and supportive. And then as soon as he announced his retirement, as soon as he announced that, then he made a public statement regarding the Michael Cohen's sentencing saying, nobody is above the law. Really, when you had voting power, then you were all backing up Donald Trump. You don't have voting power now, and now you're going to say no one's above the law? What a piece of shit. So this tells me one thing. Nobody in the GOP actually supports Donald Trump. And secondly, as soon as they retire, that's when they'll come out and say, nobody is above the law. Go ahead and go after him. I'm out of there. You can't touch me. That's what I think. And uh, now... I mean, maybe we can talk to Sarah Burris about that because we have her coming up. I also want to talk to her yeah. about Mick Mulvaney. Man, Mick Mulvaney talking out both sides of his mouth also. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break here. Um, and uh, our guest, uh, our special guest today, Sarah Burris, from uh, writer from The Raw Story, uh, is going to join us right after this quick break. Um, you are listening to Taylor Terror Radio TaylorTerrorRadio.com. If you missed any of the show today, any of the live show, and you want to go back and listen to the show and or download it, one of my friends said this over on YouTube, and he kind of said, you can find us on any podcast listening platform. <laughs> That's honestly the truth. I mean, I, Apple, wherever you want it, wherever podcasts are available, you can find Taylor Terra Radio simply by typing in Taylor Terra Radio in the search bar. Whatever your favorite listening platform might be, we're there. And uh, we will take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Sarah Burris after this quick one. Don't go anywhere. She's a small town, hardworking woman just trying to make a living. Working three jobs, feeding four little mouths in a rundown kitchen. When you're never taking nothing and doing nothing but giving, it's hard to be a good wife and a good mom and a good Christian. She said, I don't drink, but sometimes I need a Good man, good son, do something good that matters. 
take a load off. Oh, crap. That is such a... What is that? I mean, 
Honestly, I honestly when I when I read that uh, and I saw the clip, I was like, how did her teeth not fall right out of her head when she said that? <laughs> exactly. A lie that blatant. I mean, come on. How do people look at her and go, oh, no, I trust her? Right. And that was one of the interesting things I started thinking as I was writing that. I was like, I wonder what her approval is. I wonder what her trustability rating is. And sure enough, it's like 20%, 21%. <laughs> and and it's, it's pathetic. I mean, it's lower than even Donald Trump. And that's saying something because he's the liar in chief. It's true. Everybody that works in that administration. I mean, here's the thing. And, I, you know, and I said this before you joined us. Like, what, when is it done, though, Sarah? Because here's the every single day we learn more about all of the terrible. It's just out there. You have Rudy Giuliani on the news saying, well, you know, basically, yeah, we did all of it, but it's really not as bad as you think it is. Yeah, it is. So just because there's not a body, I mean, come on. And even even if there is a body, that was something that Donald Trump said, is he could shoot somebody and uh, and nobody would care. And it's like, no, actually, that is a crime, and you go to jail for that. And if you're in Texas, they hit you with a brick. That's how that works. And, yeah, it's, um, it's unconscionable <laughs> that he walks around free, that he continues to spout his, you know, his gaslighting propaganda bullshittery, and the news keeps airing it, and news outlets keep releasing headlines that say Trump says this, Trump says that, without calling him on it. And they keep putting your Corey Lewandowski on TV and Rick Santorum. When does this stop, Sarah? When when do all when does CNN finally go? No, no, we're done. And when when do they finally start taking legal action? Because we know all of this. It's, I'm done with the talking. I want to see the action. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think this is something, too, that, that makes them complicit. They're not just uh, people at CNN, uh, which is actually a, a network that I respected for a long time. But at the same time, they're a business. So they want to make good TV, right? Like, they want to have the craziest mofos on their station spouting the craziest stuff because they know that, you know, people like me, people on Twitter are going to be talking about it. That's not an honest business model, right? Like, that's hurting the country. So, I mean, I think until people, until Americans, are like, really step up and be like, you know what, it's fine to be conservative and come on TV, but when you start lying about what is happening, um, you, you lose your credibility as a network. Like, they have all these commercials, right, about – you know, the apple and the banana and facts first and all this stuff. Well, then why are you employing people like Rick Santorum or Stephen exactly. Moore or, you know, like, it's not logical. And it's frustrating, too, when a, a news outlet like CBS, which you've respected for, you know, decades or whatever, and they continue to put Stephen Miller on Face the Nation with his spray-on Chia Pet hair. What was that? <laughs> I, he's yeah, like a I Nazi mean, Chia Pet. And- is what I tweeted this morning because what what is I mean why do they allow the golem to go on television and and spread his evil why does it why would Stephen Miller be invited on television now I have no clue like that's one of those things where you have to wonder if somebody canceled you know or if it was like the administration being like oh we'll just send somebody and then last minute they send out you know the the evil guy but that hurts their credibility like. CBS is a legit news operation, and right. they lose their credibility with these people. I, it, 
Not to mention the guy is, never mind the fact that he's lying, right? He right. is just straight up evil. He's a wretched human being who, um, I mean, he, he gets on there and talks about, you know, they, the, he feels bad for the seven-year-old that the United States killed. But <laughs> there's no, no he doesn't. contrition in that face. He doesn't there, care. Um, he's a Nazi. There, he's, he, the, these are Nazi tactics from a Nazi administration. And for anyone to call it anything but that is is ridiculous. And it's when does he go to prison? When do they all go to prison? I'm done. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah, uh, you're originally from Oklahoma. You went to uh, you went to school at uh, Kansas. What uh, what? Just a little background on you. What what brought you into um, uh, politics and uh, what you what brought you into uh, uh, political activism and then political uh, writing? Because you've written for Alternate, you've written for uh, Salon, and now you're at the Raw Story, and you've done a lot of other things too. So just give our listeners maybe a little bit of background on you. Well, yeah. So I I started in politics because of Kathleen Sebelius. Um, she was running against a crazy right-wing nut bar in 2002, and I was in college. I just got to college, and, you know, I, I thought, heck, i got to register some voters and help out as much as I could. And that was the first time I'd ever done anything political. Um, I was an English major. I, I wanted to be, you know, like maybe be an editor and edit books and stuff like that. Everybody in my family does some kind of, of either – journalism or writing or editing uh, or publishing. And so I was just, you know, ain't nothing but a family thing. So, um, but, but then I got the political bug and I worked in my first campaign as an actual staffer in 2004 uh, for a candidate who had been a war protester whenever we went to Iraq. And, um, and then that was it for me. I just had so much fun doing, you know, political work and, so then I started traveling the country and working on campaigns, and um, and at the same time I was writing stuff because you know you have a lot to say. We were we were going to war. We were um, the economy was starting to tank in 2007, and so I just had a bunch of stuff to say about politics and policy, and I just started writing. Well, then people started paying me for it. I was like, well, hey, I could do this for a living. So sure enough, that's where I, that's how I got here. So I've been uh, checking out your your Twitter feed, which is always excellent. But one of the things that caught my eye was uh, you wrote an essay. Uh, Could powerful men be too easily flattered by? Or no, it was you. Uh, it's Alex. I'm sorry, it's not yours, but you shared the article about attractive women like Maria Butina. Um, Could powerful men be too easily flattered by attractive young women to be trusted with control? I love this Maria Butina story. And the reason I love right? it is that it exposes the Republican Party at its core, which they're a, a whole bunch of repressed freaks is yeah. what it comes down to, right? So, and I would posit that if more Republicans were having, you know, sex on the regular, a lot of this stuff that's happened would not have happened. All of these weird sex scandals, all of these... If the Republicans would just be able to verbally ask for what they needed for in bed from their spouses, we would not know the name Maria Butina. But Maria Butina came to our country, got on her knees, and got secrets out of the Republicans because she did naughty things that their wives wouldn't do. Um, how? <laughs> right? I mean, that's the way I see it. 
do you feel like that that uh, Vladimir Putin knows all of America's weaknesses and just continuously exploits them, and we allow it to happen? How? how? Yeah, like do. I see it so clearly, Sarah. So like, why aren't more people as smart as we are? And why weren't more people able to see what we see so clearly? It's so interesting the way that Russians have really um, kind of psychologically analyzed the American people. And you're right, like Republicans have this bizarre um, concept of sex and sexuality and you know, they, they, uh, they've been anti-women for years. Uh, and, and so you end up in these situations where if you have, like, a hot young girl who um, comes from an exotic land like Russia, then she can, you know, weasel her way into a repressed Republican bedroom and manipulate mm-hmm. him. She's not the first one to do it. She's not going to be the last one to do it. Um, but, but There are probably others Republican- right now doing it that we haven't heard of yet. Exactly. And it's not just something like uh, Russia. It could be anybody, right? I mean, it could be, it could be an American who, um, you know, is a Democrat who wants to, you know, screw the way into figuring out some dirt on, uh, on Republicans. But honestly, the reason that, um, that Ross story became famous is because one of our um, editors, Mike Rogers, uh, who was an older gay man in Washington, D.C., was going to all these gay clubs and seeing these Republican staffers and these Republican members who were hanging out in gay clubs. And he was like, this is ridiculous. You people are voting against LGBT issues and you're gay or you're partying yep. at the gay clubs, so you're obviously in some kind of alternative lifestyle. And so he just started flat out outing them. If you're going to vote against this while you're, you're an LGBT person, then we're done. And so, you know, in the early, in the mid nineties and early two thousands, all these people got outed because of, um, because of what Mike was doing. And it started freaking out people in Washington. Um, I think now, you know, now that LGBT equality is, is reigning supreme and people are fine with it and Republicans are going to pretend like, um, you know, they're, they're just going to trash it when they're at church. Um, But in Washington, there's a lot of freaky stuff that goes on with these people. And, and, I mean, like all kinds of sex clubs. I've heard stories about some um, rich lobbyist who has a big old house that's where they have swingers parties. Um, I, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that's going on in the city, and nobody is talking about it. So I just, all we need is, like, one Democrat who, um, who can just be a, a spy and show up to one of these things and, you know, out a whole bunch of married Republican men who, um, who are freaks in the bedroom and – who refuse to let women um, have control over their own bodies. I happen to think that that's how, I mean, that's how we got to where we are, isn't it? Uh, Because, you know, you have all of these members of the GOP who had been very vocal opponents of Donald Trump, not just during the campaign, but even after he had been illegitimately sworn in. Lindsey Graham, for me, is the shining example of a Mm -hmm. compromised, Senator, he's become this Stepford senator where he was very vocal. He was very vocal, and then all of a sudden they went and played golf, and he came back mm-hmm. from that golf trip going, "Well, you know what? This isn't that bad." So, what what fear of being exposed is the number one thing that keeps these Republicans complicit. So, it's 
frustrating for me. Like, I, I think that we know what Donald Trump has on them. And we know that the NRA funneled money from Russia to all of these GOP centers. You know, if they all would just stand up and say, yes, I took money from the NRA, but I'm going to give it back because I believe in this country more than in this party. Do you think any member of the GOP has the stones to do that? Oh, hell no. He has the stones to do anything. I mean, that's the thing. Most of the people who had a pair um, are are stepping out. And even people like Jeff Flake, every once in a while, he'll come out and be like, oh, I'm going to like, I mean, that's his name, right? He's a flake. Uh, The same thing with Bob Corker, right? Like Bob Corker seems like he's a total badass, but then you watch that interview with him um, that that was on TV on MSNBC last night. And and he doesn't care about about Trump, and he's not going to run against him in 2020. So you know, you're just like, well, then what's the point? You know, right? What, what are you doing? It's so it's, I don't know. It's I don't, uh, <laughs> it's just I, I I throw my hands up after a while just because. And like I was saying before you joined us, if we know what we what we know is enough to arrest a regular person what we know Mm -hmm. from the Mueller investigation, what we've learned from the Cohen sentencing, what we're going to get tomorrow from the Flynn sentencing. It's all out there in the open. Nobody seems to want to take that next step, however. And it's like I said, if we have survived this illegitimate presidency for two years, we can absolutely survive legitimate impeachment proceedings. What do you think is going to be the final thing where where, what would happen to make, because everyone's like, oh, the GOP would never vote for impeachment. What would it take, in your opinion, to get those votes? I, I do think that once the Mueller, um, the report is finalized, then we're going to have a heck of a lot of answers. We're going to have a pathway to indict a lot of these people. So I think I know what Democrats are doing is they're waiting to see first if they can, if we can just do an indictment rather than an impeachment. And I mean, there's all kinds of great conversations about um, uh, legal conversations about whether or not you can indict a sitting president. I honestly think that you can, and I think if you, of course you can, uh, if that, and I think if that goes to the Supreme Court, I I truly believe that the Supreme Court is going to be like, yeah, no, you can indict this guy. Uh, and if they don't, you know, that's going to look so bad on them. Uh, it's going to be like a blatant thing where where. I think it'll que- it'll put into question what their role is in this, if they are complicit in this investigation. So, and at that point, like if they decide, you know, if somebody like Brett Kavanaugh is like, no, I'm not going to indict Trump because he got me here, um, then I think he's complicit, and I think there's a reason to impeach him off of the Supreme Court if for no other absolutely, reason, you know, he's a, a rapist. But yeah, um, well, and then that, but then there's also the fact that if they, you know, it's if we're going to say things out loud, like Malcolm Nance was saying on MSNBC last week, this election is illegitimate. It should be nullified. He should be indicted mm-hmm. and we should have a special election. I understand that Agreed. there's not. Right. But, and because people are like, well, we, they, they, there's no precedent for that. We never had to do that before. So we've also no, never had a president who was compromised by the Russians and installed in our Oval Office illegally. So, you know, when bat, when a new thing happens, you have to create a new way to deal with it. Um, so this is if this is new, uh, I have no problem sitting and watching impeachment process happen. I have no problem. You know, Nancy Pelosi, President Pro Temp, no problem with that whatsoever, because 
uh, I believe, and I'm sure you do as well, Sarah, Mike Pence know, knows everything. He is mm-hmm. not the lone cl- – I mean, he could have – He, you could sit in an Oval Office meeting and pretend you're mentally in the Bahamas, Mike Pence, but you're as complicit, right? And I think he maybe that's one of the reasons complicit. he didn't even open his mouth in that meeting because he knows everything, and he doesn't want to get himself in any more trouble than he knows he's already in because tomorrow with the sentence, he knew everything about Mike Flynn, and tomorrow Flynn's sentencing, it's going gonna, it's gonna to rain shit all over Mike Pence, don't you think? Absolutely. Like Mike Pence was the head of the transition. So either, uh, you know, he was complicit in all of this, either he knew or he was too stupid to be the head of the transition and definitely too stupid to be a vice president of the United States. So either way, that mofo is screwed. So, right. Uh, and honestly, I think it's the, it's the former of, of the two where he knows all of this stuff. I know that he, he's sitting there dreaming in the Oval Office, you know, in a couple of weeks, this is going to be my job. No, Mike Pence, you uh-uh. are connected to all of this. And I want to see every single one of these people go down. And I think that we will. It'll just, it won't happen as quickly as we would like it to, obviously, because we've already yeah. been sitting here for two years waiting for this to happen. But it's happening, and we're seeing it. I mean, with Michael Cohen getting sentenced to three years, you can say all you want that he lied to make you look bad, but nobody lies to get themselves investigated by the FBI. No one wants that. You don't say, I'm going to create a lie so the FBI will investigate me so that I can lie to them more. Nobody, nobody does that. Um, I, you know, so – if if you were to create a timeline, because everyone is now saying that he's not going to make it to 2020, he's certainly not going to run in 2020, he's going to be removed before 2020, do you see, that? like, do, does it make sense to indict them and then have Nancy Pelosi as president pro tem? Do you think that is the the easiest way to move forward so that if we have a person like Nancy Pelosi in charge who people trust, who has the experience – do you think that'll bring a sense of, of calm? And then do we have to, if we indict him and we impeach him and we get rid of him, does that negate every single one of his appointments? If we nullify the election results, let's say, like Malcolm Nance is calling for. If they nullify the election, does that also then nullify every appointment, every any everything that he's done? Does it negate everything? That's what, that's what I would like to then. Um, I think we all would, obviously, like that. Um, but but it, what's interesting is that I think this will also put us in a good position for 2020 because you can be like, you know, this is not just the indictment of a president. This is the indictment of a president and the, um, the every single member of his party who helped make this happen, who helped protect him, who helped, you know, who refused to pass laws to protect Mueller. I think then you hang this as an albatross around every single Republican's neck. Um, we know we're not going to get a report from Mueller this year. It's probably going to come out um, short in the in the new year, shortly after the first of the year is what I'm hoping for. Um, and, and then we're we're getting into the presidential election. So, you know, if he wants to claim promises kept and run for re-election, then rock on with your bad self. But it's going to put Republicans in a very difficult position because I don't think anybody's going to run against him in 2020. I think. Uh, you know, they, they need to find a candidate, obviously, and they need to find somebody fast because I think he gets indicted first. Um, I don't know that Pelosi even needs to do an impeachment if he gets indicted because, you know, the dude goes to jail, can't really serve in the presidency. 
Right. Sarah, um, uh, Sarah um, last week we had on Ellie, uh, Ellie Honig. Uh, he's CNN analyst. He's from the uh, – uh, he was a prosecutor at the uh, uh, Southern District of New York, and um, – we had this conversation, um, I, and I'm on the school of thought uh, with Ellie. I, I don't believe that Robert Mueller will indict uh, a sitting president, whether he can or not. Um, I don't believe that Robert Mueller is. In, uh, Ellie Honig put it put it really well when he said that you know Robert Mueller is conservative, not in politics but in but in his actions and the way he handles his business and that he wouldn't most likely wouldn't indict a sitting president and if he did um it would go it ultimately would end up in front of the supreme court and then we go from there um there's the other option of filing a sealed indictment for uh when trump gets out of office um and then he could be prosecuted at that point. But I, I'm, I still maintain that Trump <clears throat> will not be indicted, um, that the House might or might not file articles of impeachment. I don't see the Senate impeaching him. I see Trump being here in 2020, and I see him running. I don't see any of these um, – I don't see any of these other scenarios playing out, I'm, and I certainly don't see Nancy. I mean, I don't see how you could see how you could even how Nancy Pelosi could be even thought to assume the presidency, given um, given the amount of time that Trump and or Pence would be given. I mean, you're you were almost basically going back to you could harken back to Watergate on the fact that. You know, when Agnew in 73 was uh, charged with financial crimes and he stepped down and Nixon appointed Ford and Nixon resigned, Ford appointing Rockefeller, um, I see the same scenario uh, that playing out. I don't see the GOP being that behind the uh, that behind the table that that they're going to just just sit idly by and 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 let Nancy Pelosi waltz into the Oval Office. I I don't see that happening, Sarah. I don't know that. I think the bit, major difference now between what happened with Nixon in the seventies is you had a Republican Party that was um, a little bit more honest and a little bit more into self-preservation. We're in a position now where I think Republicans are between a rock and a hard place, where they cannot, they don't like Trump because they know that he's hurting the Republican Party, but at the same time, they can't strike out against him because most of the people in the Republican Party that are left are are people that are Trump's base, and so they're going to support him no matter what. I mean, the GOP has been hemorrhaging. Uh, registrants, right? Like a lot of people who are registered Republicans are changing their party. They're becoming independents. They're just leaving in droves. Don't even get me started about people under 25. Like the, I want to say half of the um, Republicans that were under 25 have left the GOP since 2015 is the latest stat that I saw. So, I mean, they're, they're to a point now where the only people that are left in the party are the hardcore crazy people. So if they 
strike out against Trump, they're totally screwed. And if they yeah. don't strike out against him, they're still screwed. So, I mean, I think about Mueller, and I don't know that this is so different from Nixon. You know, this is this is a whole different level where it's not just somebody no, who yeah. did something corrupt. Like, this is yeah. war against our country. And if that's not recipe for an indictment, then there is something very, very wrong with Robert Mueller and the Justice Department. And that's another question. That's the next level, where if they say that there's no, no indictment, whenever we literally have somebody who, is, who, who helped an attack on our country, who is an American, then I have serious questions about the Justice Department. Well, but he could go the route of a sealed indictment and prosecute Trump once he is out of office. True, very true, um, and and that's completely possible. I have no problems with us trying to run a 2020 election if, if the GOP is going to go to Trump when we have all of this information out there. I don't get how Republicans make it through the election. You know, like that's going to be yeah. They're going to get yeah. I mean, they've and got it, 22. Yeah, there's 22 Republican Senate seats up in 2020. I mean, it could be a bloodbath. Uh, let me. I want to pose this question to you, Sarah. I, I've asked a, a couple other people that's been on the show with us. Um, you know, in '74, you had Senator Scott and then uh, Majority Leader Goldwater go over to Nixon and say, "Listen." Um, you had a Democrat and a Republican go to Nixon and say, "Listen, hey, you're done. Um, you know, you there's no way out of this for you." And Nixon listened. He resigned. Do you see anybody in this Trump administration that could go to Trump or anybody anybody in Congress, anybody that could go and sit down with Trump and say, listen, um, you're done. It's finished. They're going to impeach you. They're going to indict you. You're not going to get out of this. Resign. Do you see anybody? And if you do, do you think he would listen? Um. I honestly don't see anybody because I think most of the people who don't like Trump, they're already gone at this point. Um, the folks maybe who are left to, who are willing to step out against Trump a little bit uh, and, and not, you know, be, be hit back that hard. Most of those are governors. Um, so, but I don't think there's anybody left in Congress. Most of the people are the far right teabaggers and uh, you know, the moderate, Senators that are left, most of them are either not running in 2020 or um, or they're leaving at the end of the year. So I'm trying to figure out, like, who's the person, right? His whole administration is filled with uh, business people. There aren't really that many people who have a deep investment in the Republican Party that are even in his administration. Uh, you know, I just – I'm trying to think, like, who who would be the person? And even well, if that person was there – I think I don't think he would listen to him. I think he he his ego is so big. It's like I know best. There's nobody who's smarter than me. I'm a stable genius. Well, let's, I think let's say hypothetically. Let's say hypothetically, McConnell and Graham went to Trump and sat down with him and said McConnell was there. Um, we'll, we'll, McConnell and Graham will be our Scott and 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 Goldwater. And they went and sat down with Trump, and, and McConnell said, listen, you know, uh, Donald, um, you're done. Um, we're going to convict you here in the Senate. Um, do you think he would Do you think he would listen to that and resign? Uh, 
Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think McConnell, I don't know that McConnell would do it because his wife is in the, the administration, so he's already, you know, in deep on this. Um, I don't know that Lindsey Graham has a conscience or a spine or even nope. maybe a soul. Um, nope. yeah. It seems so easy. It seems so easy for him to be BFF with McCain and then just flip on him immediately. You know, the guy uh, dies and it's like all of a sudden he's he's playing golf with Trump. And I don't know if he was doing that because he wanted the attorney general position. I don't know what the hell his deal was, but he and then, he just seems. I'm sorry. Go ahead. He just. He, he just seems like he's so willing to compromise everything that he is and every um, policy that he has just for whoever's going to, you know, whoever's talking to him at that moment. So I don't know what there, it is. I don't know. I, I don't know what it is either. And then seeing Mick Mulvaney, the acting chief of staff, acting. And then I right before the show, I was watching MSNBC and Andrea Mitchell ran this video of him of Mick Mulvaney talking about Donald Trump during the campaign, saying, do mm-hmm. I like him? No. Do I think he's a good person? No. But am I supporting him? Yes, because he, the, other, the other choice is even worse. And so you have Mick Mulvaney, who said, who said horrible, terrible things about Donald Trump, but yeah, he'll take the job as long as he has an out. He's like, oh, I'll do it for a little while, but the second the heat turns up, I'm out of here. So nobody really wants that job because nobody really wants the taint of Trump on them. Um, it's frustrating for me because, like, the way I see it, one of the things that I see, Sarah, and, you know, maybe, I, you know, you can give me, give me your two cents on this as well. The GOP doesn't really need Trump anymore. They've gotten all of their federal appointments. They've got their judges on the benches. They've got their two conservative judges on, on the Supreme Court. They really could cut bait and let him dangle now. They could just toss him. They don't need him anymore. No, I agree. We totally don't need him. Um, so, but I think, you know, I was saying about their, their supporters. I think it's what their keeps supporters. someone loyal, though? Uh, I, I think it's honestly it's a primary. I don't know that Republicans could strike out against Trump and not be primaried. Uh, and be basically lose their jobs in Congress in a primary at this point. Um, that's the only thing that I think is left with them is they they just have no they have to keep you know kissing ass as much as they can because if they don't, then their voters are going to kill them. Yeah, it's uh, a you know a really interesting time, and I would I would also posit that with all of these Republicans who are retiring, your Orrin Hatch or Jeff Flake. And the cry for new blood is, I think, over, overwhelmingly loud. Um, I think the current GOP as we know it is dying, and eventually new blood will rise. It's just going to take a long time for the GOP to reset itself. And one of the things that I want to remind everybody, you know, we all of these comparisons to Watergate. When John Dean stepped up and took a bullet and said, I know these things. These things are wrong. These are the things that I saw. These are the things that I heard. You know, essentially John Dean being the Michael Cohen of the Watergate. Nobody at that time said to John Dean, oh, you're just lying to make the president look bad. Right? Everybody just assumed that he, everyone believed he was telling the truth because he was testifying under oath. When Michael Cohen testifies under oath, why doesn't any, why don't they, I understand why you don't want to believe him because you're Donald Trump and you don't want people to know the truth about you. How does that become the narrative though? Is it social media? 
because we didn't have social media and Watergate. So when people were like, oh, John Dean is a patriot. John Dean put himself out there. John Dean took a bullet because he knew something was wrong. Why is that not the narrative around Michael Cohen? I blame Donald Trump for that. I mean, he mm. his defense is always to accuse the other person basically of what he is doing. Right. And, you know, it's the, I know you are, but what am I defense? Which, you know, should not ever be a real legal defense, but it seems like that is what Donald Trump does about every single thing. And because he is God to so many Republicans, supporters and voters, I, I think, honestly, he has the ability to send out that message to more people because of social media. So yeah. he can change the narrative in a way uh, and convince people who um, who believe that whatever he says is gospel, and, and that's the big difference instead of the '70s. You know, it, it may have been TV, but he can he doesn't have to he can bypass everything just using Twitter. Yeah, it's an incredibly frustrating time for for those of us with intelligence and those of us who have paid attention to history, and those of us who actually believe the truth rather than the shit that comes out of his mouth. Everybody should follow Sarah Burst on Twitter at Sarah Burst. And also please follow raw story because though that, that is a source you can trust. And that's the other thing that I have always appreciated about raw story. As we get deeper and deeper into this, we know about so many false stories that have come out, uh, the fake news, blah, 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 blah. But, you have always, Ross, you specifically and Ross Story, always on the straight and narrow, always informing us. Martin Sismar is a good guy. You're, you're a good one. Will you please come back and join us after the new year, after the new Democratic House is sworn in and after we see uh, maybe some fallout from that? Absolutely. You guys are amazing. I'd love to talk more. Well, absolutely. Awesome, Sarah. Well, the best of the holiday season to you and yours. Thank you so much for joining us. Sarah Burris from Ross Story, thank you for joining us on Taylor Tower Radio. Yes, thank you, Thanks, Sarah. Guys. Come back. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Great guest. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah. All right. Uh, wow, what a great guest. I, you know what? I knew she was going to be a great guest. I mean, I just, well, you yeah. know, reading, yeah, reading all of her stuff and um, as I have, uh, as I have for, for, for quite some time, she's a wonderful writer. And, um, yeah, um, yeah, great. We have all the good people guests. on our side is the, is yes, the bottom line. I mean, just take a moment, go to, you know, check out her feed, check out the articles she not just writes, but the articles that she shares, because, uh, you know, that tells you so much about what the, that, that mindset of being supportive of other writers all of us on this side, the resistance is still real and we are still fighting on the daily and raw story is one of the biggest leaders of that. So we're, we're very, very grateful for their participation. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for us here on Taylor Terror radio today, TaylorTerrorRadio.com. We will see everybody back here on Wednesday, 1 PM Eastern time. Uh, in the meantime, if you miss any of the show today and you'd like to go back and catch it, um, you can do so on any podcast listening platform, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Google Play Music, Spotify, or right here on TaylorTerrorRadio.com. You can listen or download. In about 15 minutes, the uh, pod will be ready. You can follow us on Twitter, uh, me, Jason, at Taylor. 
on Twitter. You can follow Tara on Twitter at Tara Dublin Rocks, and we encourage everyone to follow the show account on Twitter, Taylor Tara Radio. In the meantime, Tara, everyone have a great week. It's Monday. Don't let the stress of the holidays get to you, folks. Do something nice today. Do something nice for yourself and do something nice for another person today. Absolutely. All right, we are out of here. Everyone have a great week. See you on Wednesday.